This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations so you can better examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. Yes, you heard it right. We don't give you all the answers. We just talk about issues. Sometimes we even disagree, and then you have to decide on a solution. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna. Hi, Kelly. And hi, everybody. And it's good to have both of you here with me. As always, to our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your comments. Inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. That's inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. Today, we're talking about the case of Olympic track hopeful Shakari Richardson, who was suspended from competition for one month after testing positive for marijuana, which is a banned substance under the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency rules. Her suspension means she will miss the Olympics in Tokyo. She's a 100-meter sprinter, and I have to say I've watched a few of the videos on YouTube of her racing, and she is amazingly fast and so talented. Shakari has accepted her suspension admitting she knew the rules. By way of explanation, she said she smoked marijuana to cope with the unexpected death of her birth mother a week earlier. So in researching this situation, a number of questions and complaints came up in articles and forums. Two of the most frequent are, how could a gifted Olympic athlete have her dreams shattered because she consumed a plant that is legal throughout most of the country? It was legal in Oregon where she smoked it. And where is the compassion for this woman who had to cope with the death of her birth mother? Kelly, you're an athlete and an attorney. I know this isn't strictly an ethical question, but more of a legal situation. So I'm going to turn to you first. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a really tough situation, and I feel for her. And I have great admiration for Shakari because she handled this with amazing class and grace. She totally owned her mistake and accepted responsibility for her error. The rules are the rules. I just, I don't know what else to say. Sports Illustrated also said the rules are stupid. <laughs> and in this case, the rules really are stupid. <laughs> I There's think the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency said that too. But they have to work with the World Anti-Doping Agency. So. Exactly, yeah. There's a legal maxim that tough or hard cases make bad law. And what that means is if a judge gets caught up in the facts, which often can be very sympathetic and lose, lose sight of the rules and sort of how a case is supposed to be disposed of, it can result in a, in a bad outcome that could affect many future cases. And I think that's what happened here. The United States Anti-Doping Agency just had its hands tied. It belongs to WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Association, and WADA creates the banned substance list. And the United States Anti-Doping Agency is part of WADA. They're responsible they must comply with those rules. They have to test U.S. athletes. And as part of WADA, they had to suspend her. And they went with the lowest possible suspension, which was the month with counseling. But then you get into, uh, and, and just trying to address the legal aspects and not take away from what Mike has to say, because I know he'll have a lot to offer. But then you do get into some discretion that the United States track and field organization had. And they were in a tough spot. They weren't able to use her times from the trials. And their rules say that the only way you go to the Olympics is based on your performance at the Olympic trials. That's solely how they determine who goes. So she had no times. Because the um, time in Oregon 
was thrown out. Exactly. And I think they felt they couldn't make an exception to this because, for example, I can't recall the name of our top 800 meter runner, who's also the top 800 meter runner in the world, had a bad day, didn't make the Olympic team. They're not making an exception. So it's all time driven. That person, yeah, yeah, that person's not going to the Olympics. So they don't want to go down that road and start making exceptions. Then you get into the relays, which is a different animal. And I think a lot of people felt, okay, the relay team runs, and that's the four by hundred relay at the Olympics, runs after her suspension is over. So why didn't the United States Track and Field Organization pick her at least and allow her to run for the United States in that relay? I was wondering that too. I just that's a good I question. just know her, her name wasn't on the Olympic roster, so she wasn't selected for the relay. Right. And the only it's hard for me to understand what they did there because They do have discretion to do that. I think there's less concern about setting a bad precedent like there would be, as I discussed earlier, just picking her and putting her in the hundred when she has no time. That would just open up all sorts of issues for all other competitors. So the only thing I can think of with the relay is that they felt that the other, her fellow Americans had followed the rules and, you know, that they should be rewarded for that. My guess is that they also know that they're going to get the gold medal. They did their calculations, and they've determined, even though she carries the fastest 100-meter runner in the world today, they're going to be okay without her. I, I hate to be so cynical, but that's so they part. So they're just going to bypass the whole controversy and not put her on the relay team. Exactly. Because they've got a gold anyway, according to their calculations, assuming uh, nobody drops a baton. That's my assumption, that they, I hate mm-hmm. to be cynical, but that would be what I'm assuming they did. But I have compassion for her. But the rules are the rules. Yeah, that's kind of the, the way I feel. It's the rules are the rules, and you just can't break the rules and then say, now legitimize it, because the rules are stupid. First, you change the rules if they're stupid. Right. And I give her a lot of credit for never planning or... You know, I think in some of the interviews I've watched, she thanked her sponsors repeatedly. And I think probably the attorneys for her sponsors guided her on that response. It was just so obvious. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great way to to put your sponsors out front and mention yep. their name and oh yeah, and I mean sell and sneakers and t-shirts and sure yeah she had the big old uh, Nike logo right there. On well, her and truth sweatshirt. be told, she has gotten probably more exposure from this event than she would have if she had won the gold. She would have been on the box of Wheaties if that matters anymore. But her name's been in the news for weeks, and her sponsors know that. And she's this magnificent athlete. She's a very articulate woman. She's taken full responsibility in a, you know, in a very meaningful way. And I think her sponsors are going, oh, yeah, we like this. You know, I hadn't so, thought about that. And, and I yeah. think she, she's also made the commitment that, all right, so I'm not on this Olympic team. I'm 21 years old. I'll be back. Yeah. Oh, Uh, she's very young. Absolutely. And to that point, you know, when we face difficult loss or grief, as we get older, we have more tools in our emotional toolbox. But her being so young, I just think her tools were limited and she reached for something that she shouldn't have. So that's part of being so young. So, Mike, what what do you want to say about this? Well, this puts me in a situation that often comes up, and that is that I have to agree with Kelly. What? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rules are the rules. And, you know, I've I've had a little bit of exposure to, you know, world-class athletes over decades now. I think the cold hard truth is that at that level, there continues to be 
use of performance-enhancing drugs. And organizations like the United States Anti-Doping Association or the World Anti-Doping Association, they're a few steps behind. And if you look back at the, you know, the huge controversies in the, in the 90s with professional cycling, they were outgunned by the athletes and the scientific support base of the athletes. I would guess they're probably still in the same situation. It's different materials, it's different approaches, different techniques. But, you know, they try to keep up, and they've got some arcane rules on their books, and this is one of them. I have great compassion for this athlete and what she's been through, but the point is, if you want to perform at that level, you have to be absolutely vigilant about what you do, what you eat, what you drink. These athletes, they don't just pick up random things and and try them. They're typically, with, with a few exceptions, they're very, very disciplined because they need that edge. Can't afford to get just the things that afflict the rest of us, like they can't afford to get food poisoning. They just are very, very careful. They put great, great confidence in their teams and their trainers. And they, I've spoken to professional athletes who say that, you know, when the trainer comes up and says, all right, here's some supplements uh, and here's a glass of water go ahead and take them uh, we think this will help they do they have to have confidence in those people because they can't know always what they're ingesting being an elite athlete does ask a lot of you you have to live within the, the terms of the elite athlete world the rules and regs that's right i mean there's huge reward especially for someone who is as prominent as uh, shakari richardson but there's also great risk and she just she made a really really poor judgment in a very very personally tragic moment. I mean, she found out about the death of her biological mother on the air in an interview yeah. from a reporter. Imagine that. It just breaks your heart. Yeah. So my yeah, heart goes it. out to her. I always look at at great uh, women athletes being the father of a not a world-class athlete but my daughter is very athletic and I, I just think of the example someone like that presents or provides for young women and girls you know again she's probably more noteworthy because of this and she has acquitted herself magnificently despite the mistake I agree. Yeah. She's owned it. She didn't become an excuse machine she just owned it and I want to say that President Joe Biden agrees with you Mike he has said quote rules are the rules and everyone knows what the rules were going in. Whether they should remain that way is a different issue, but the rules are rules, and I was really proud of the way she responded. We all have disappointments and regrets, as we say. How you respond afterwards makes all the difference. So next point I have is this whole incident has prompted allegations of racism, which kind of surprised me. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has tweeted that this decision, meaning the um, anti-doping agency's decision, is rooted solely in the systemic racism that's long-driven anti-marijuana rules. The criminalization and banning of cannabis is an instrument of racist and colonial policy. Kelly, putting you on the spot. You're the legal one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can she just stay out of it? Is there any place <laughs> where she doesn't insert herself? Yeah. This has nothing to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And Shakari isn't even one of her constituents. She's a Texan. She's from Dallas, Texas. So I just That's think true. she should mind her own business. Certainly racism is endemic and can creep into so many things. I don't think that's what's going on here. It wasn't like a white athlete took her place. 
That didn't happen. This is just a matter of the rule being the rule. Is the rule wrong? Should the rule be changed? Yes. I have no doubt if Shakari was a white athlete, the same result. Absolutely. And we've seen that time and time again across the board in track and field, in swimming, in gymnastics. None of that matters. The rules are the rules. I couldn't disagree with her more. And I really think politicians should kind of focus on the important issues. Okay, Mike? Yeah, once again, I'm with Kelly. You know, (laughs) having having masqueraded as a politician myself at one point in my life. um, (laughs) It was not a masquerade. (laughs) Don't underestimate their ability to glom onto a topic from which they may gain some benefit. This is one of those things. I, I just, this discredits everything that she said in that letter, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, it diminishes all those concerns she had because I, I think it's misplaced. Yeah, uh, and things, it, it just, it yeah. takes away from the whole movement yeah. when you, you misplace or misuse an issue. Right. And, and then and, uh, it gives the opponents of those issues, those real, real issues that are present in our society, it gives them ammunition. Yeah. yeah I think she blew to, it. To ridicule. And, and, you know, everything's not about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or each and every politician, really, even though Kelly? they think it is. Really? They think it's all about them. <laughs> That's no. why we need to throw the bums Kelly. out. Kelly. all of them. Oh, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, you're so cynical. <laughs> Golly. Probably Shakari should run for office. That's there we go. She there might. Go. She might. Because she, I mean, her honesty and integrity, and right from the start, it wasn't like she had people coaching her. I would have totally understood at 21, barely 21, her trying to make an excuse or she never did it. I mean, she just never did right from the start. I would think, a po- I would not object to a Texas politician or particularly her congressman or congresswoman or one of the Texas senators speaking up because she's a constituent. Otherwise, right. I think it's just all about trying to get your name out there. And, you know, as Mike said, running for the spotlight, you mean? Yeah, that's what it's all about. Grabbing the mic. Yeah, don't get mm-hmm. between a politician and a microphone. You might get hurt. <laughs> So One of my rules. To, again, quote Ocasio-Cortez in the same letter, she said she urges them to reconsider the suspension. And she said the ban on marijuana is a significant and unnecessary burden on athletes' civil liberties. Which brings me to my next point. Do we really know if marijuana is or isn't performance enhancing? I mean, I think we need more research because it may not be performance enhancing in the traditional sense of steroids, but it does have ways of relieving anxiety and helping athletes sleep, which could give them quick response times for starts and things like that. So, I mean, I think that needs to be part of the deep look at these current policies. I don't. You don't? No, I couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, I think marijuana is not performance enhancing and it should come right off the list. It's ridiculous it's on it. Well, this speaks to the chaos, the absolute total chaos that drug law is in our country right now, state to state, what's legal, what's not. Is it federal? Is it state? I mean, it is just absolute chaos. This has come into play in this case. Oregon, I think, is the only state in the union where it's legal. I think I'm right there. Many others have decriminalized possession and use of marijuana, but I think Oregon's the only one that's gone to making it legal. Kelly, do you know those Uh, facts? What I read recently is that marijuana is legal in over 18 states. So I think it's... 
it's legal in in many states. Uh, we may be up to almost half. Yeah, but is isn't there a distinct difference between something being decriminalized and being legal? No, I don't think so. If it's okay. not criminal, you know, if you can't be charged for illegally possessing something, okay. then you can use it. All right. Well, I know in some states it's decriminalized, but it's illegal to sell or buy in that right. state. So right. explain that to me. Well, yeah. I mean, that would just mean they're always going to have distribution laws uh, as far as illegal distribution. I mean, really what they want to do is, you know, allow it to be sold through the free market because, you know, the taxes, I mean, it's just so helpful to the states. Just like with alcohol, I mean, they make a tremendous amount of money. That's always been one of the positives in legalizing drugs is that it brings it into the economy and it'll lift the economy. And certainly that's true with marijuana. But if in a particular case, in a particular state, it can't be sold or distributed, you can get it in another state and use it in your state if it's decriminalized. But most states are opening up. It's not going to be long till it's, it's legal in most every state. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be some holdouts in, in some red states. But there's really no evidence that marijuana is performance enhancing. No, there, there's not. But I think that we need to do more studies on that because I suspect that it can be in not traditional ways. Yeah, I think the focus, you know, for WADA is on true performance enhancing drugs that, you know, like what Lance Armstrong used and other athletes have used. I mean, steroids, right? right. Or testosterone, where there's a direct correlation in recovery, muscle mass, strength, speed, All of that is increased by that use, by that cocktail. I want to inject some facts into this conversation and quote our friend Robin Williams, now deceased, unfortunately. And I'll I'll amend this because this is a a G-rated podcast. Robin Williams said in 1992, the only way marijuana is a performance-enhancing drug is if there is a big frickin' Hershey bar at the end of the run. Or Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell dinner. <laughs> right. That's great. He was so wise. <laughs> he was. I was. I okay. Robin. And funny. I'm... How about this, you guys? This is from the USADA letter to Representative Ocasio-Cortez. They say marijuana is on the prohibited list because it was, and still is, the consensus of stakeholders that marijuana can be harmful to athletes' health and safety during a competition. And because its use by athletes undermines the spirit of sport, as described in the WADA code. What are your thoughts on that? Alcohol is pretty similar. I think they're just trying to respond to a silly letter. You know, they got to put something out there. They probably looked Mm -hmm. at the WADA code and they created a response. I don't think they're happy with the WADA list of banned substances. They aren't according to this letter. I mean, WADA has a long way to go. It's not just, you know, marijuana. There's also been issues with, I don't know enough to really drill down and get into this, but there's been a number of articles, even about steroid use. The tests can be so sensitive that this very slight portion, very minute nano whatever in your blood or urine can cause a positive test and cause you to be banned from competition. And that happened with one of our athletes uh, before the Olympic trials, a, a distance runner. And she was not, she appealed, she went through the whole process. She was not allowed to compete. And the articles were very interesting because clearly there was sympathy for her because the amount of steroid found in her tests was so minute. 
And her claim was, I know this sounds silly, but everything I read indicated that it might be true. She said she went to a food truck and had some kind of a pork sandwich. And it's well known that pigs are treated with steroids. Mm-hmm. And she Tainted had a positive meat. test. Yeah, yeah, and it was such yeah. a, t- you know, and it was right after that, and it was such a minute amount. Wow. You know, and the point of what I read was kind of like, hey, WADA needs to revisit this and really look at what constitutes a violation of rules as far as the, the measurements and the specifics of science. Mm-hmm. So it's not just marijuana. I mean, marijuana is kind of an easy one. You do a test, and you test positive for THC. And, and in this case, Shakari was very honest and forthcoming. Yes, I I used and here's what happened. But they really need to revisit everything because all these other organizations throughout the world are obligated, at least in Western countries. You know, obviously, the, the Russians don't follow WADA or the Chinese or these other organizations like USADA, their hands are tied. So if WADA's stupid... They're stuck. Their hands are tied. So that kind of brings me around to my next question, and that is the willingness of so many people to want to suspend the rules which are on the books for these elite athletes. In this case, suspend the rule against using marijuana. And even some other elite athletes have come forward and advocated for her. Patrick Mahomes, Megan Rapinoe, Adam Rippon, the skater, saying, hey, give her a break. Don't suspend her. Suspend the rule for just this case. And I'm kind of surprised by that because I think they would want to protect the elite nature of their world, which is elite athletes. This idea that you should not follow the rules just this one time. Yeah, I agree. I think that could just lead to more chaos. Uh, Obviously, World Anti-Doping Association needs to clean up its lists, which substances should be banned, which not. Uh, Again, as I said earlier, they're probably way behind in many of the performance-enhancing drugs that are being used right now. It is a very tough role they have. I don't think that it would serve the greater interest of the athletic community to make an exception for this athlete. Because that would so, be a precedent. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, Michael Phelps, who was the swimmer who won all the gold medals in, I forget which Olympics. And there were pictures of him smoking from a bong. And so he was suspended. Uh, this was after the Olympics, but he was suspended from competition for three months after that. But he didn't miss any, you know, Olympic competition or anything. He didn't, right. he didn't miss any Olympic, but he did miss some world. Mm-hmm. And he never had any positive tests. It was just pictures. And But he, he did cop to it. Oh, he did cop to it. Yeah. Kind of hard not to, but I think he won medals in three different Olympics. He is the most medaled athlete in history. Yeah, he's he's yeah. pretty amazing. And yeah. his background is somewhat, I mean, similar to what Shakari described happened with to her. She was in so much pain, and Mike described how she found out of her mother's death. She kind of was looking for relief, and, you know, Michael Phelps has talked about his struggle with mental health issues, and I think that's probably what was going on there. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, these athletes are under extraordinary, extraordinary pressure and stress, and everybody has their eyes on them everybody's critiquing them. I think they love what they do, but it's a very, it's a lot of pressure. I understand the other athletes that you mentioned, you know, I think they're just speaking from their hearts. They're probably, you know, not giving it this analysis and, and looking into all the, the ins and outs and mm-hmm. legality of the situation. They're just speaking right. from their hearts. As you and, said, and she's, difficult yeah, situations she's, make bad policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they don't have to think about, you know, tough or hard cases make bad law or or bad results and they don't have to worry like um, USA track and field does like if we do this here then we may have to you know say oh well you know we're going to ignore 
Sally's time and go with Susie because historically she's a better runner and we're going to, you know, then you start, you open the floodgates to things not being based on performance and times, but being based on discretion. And I think that's always a bad thing. We need to stay away from that. I agree. I just found the part in the uh, USADA letter I wanted to read to you. It says, It's been reported in scientific literature and anecdotally by athletes that marijuana can decrease anxiety, fear, depression, and tension, thereby allowing athletes to better perform under pressure and alleviating stress experienced immediately before and during competition. There's my point that it can be performance-enhancing in non-traditional ways. Mm-hmm. I know you don't agree, Kelly, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't. And it's not like almost their example in that letter is, you know, somebody smoking a joint and going out and running. And that's not what happened here. And I believe I read in a Sports Illustrated article about this situation is how many people are going to get beat by Shakari and say afterwards, yeah, that's not fair. You know, she smoked a joint the other night. Nobody's going to say that because nobody believes that. If she had used steroids, huge issue. And that's cheating. She's not cheating. Well, the anti-doping agency has promised they're going to continue advocating for more research into this, seeking better scientific approaches to assess whether marijuana actually used during the in-competition period would relate to performance-enhancing effects. So we're going to see more. Just by the way, that, that is very hard to study that drug because it is still a Schedule I illicit substance, according to the federal government. So its use, its study in a laboratory is, is just, just difficult. So just saying. Well, while they study it, they need to take immediate action to remove it from the list or move it into a different category and at least not have this automatic suspension and having it treated just like a performance-enhancing drug. Well, how can they do that, Kelly, if they don't have the studies to support that? I think they have enough information. I don't understand it. It just seems wrong. And they lose their credibility. I mean, for organizations like WADA to continue and to really help sport, they have to have credibility with athletes and with the public. And they've lost that here. I mean, they need to make common sense decisions. So, you know, this is one of those situations where everybody loses. This set of Olympic Games is already in trouble with the pandemic um, and everything that comes with that. It, it loses a major star with the absence of Shakari, And her competitors lose because people won't watch that race. And, of course, she loses. And as I said earlier... I think young women around the world lose because they lose the opportunity to see someone who is a woman who is performing at the highest levels and and doing so magnificently. It's just sad all around. This is the kind of thing where you couldn't write the script for this. Uh, yeah. In this year of, you know, an Olympics, which is already on the rocks. Again, I come back to what I said earlier. It may turn out that she better remembered and more notable for this than she would have been if she'd won a gold medal or two. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. It's just hard, though, because she doesn't care. Right. Oh, I know. That's that's no consolation to her. Yeah, all she cares about is being in the Olympics. And even though she's being such a great sport and she's young and she says, I'll have other opportunities, you never know. You just never know. She could get hurt. She could not have a good performance at the next Olympic Mm -hmm. trials. You just Mm -hmm. don't know when your chances are going to come. Yeah, that's true. For sure, we're going to see more studies and more research on this, and and we're going to see them examining the rules more on what are the banned substances. It certainly has spurred a lot of discussion and investigation, and that's a good thing. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. Leave us an email, inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com, or a voicemail at our website, ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram 
at Ethics Etiquette and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd appreciate it if you took the time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. It's good to be with you, and please join us again. New episodes are posted the first and third Wednesdays of every month. See you then.